All right, welcome to Berenson Bond, episode 11, with your host, Corey and Diego Berenson. Hello, Diego. He's over there on a microphone that doesn't work today. My apologies. We have a wonderful guest, a scouting, awesome, strong man, log cutter with his own bare hands, Mr. Rob Hammett. Rob, thanks for coming out and doing this. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate it, man. Rob's son and my son, Diego, are buddies, and they hang out. And I'm glad you came here today because I want to say we talked a long time ago about you going out camping on these solo missions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I talked about the Grand Canyon trip and how that changed my mind because I'm usually like city boy and I went out there. So I just really want to like, let the boys hear what what's it like? When's the first time you went? What was the last one you did? Um, what's the logistics? Like, what's it like? Yeah, absolutely. No. All right. No, you're not going to play basketball right now. We're going to hang out. You guys are in it for the long haul. You guys are going to listen to some grown-ups. See, this is another thing about doing this. I don't think kids get to listen to grown-ups talk enough. I think they miss all this grown-up people that have been through some life time where you sit and listen. Seems kind of boring, but the more they get it, and that's why I want to do the podcast because he's going to absorb little bits over time see how people talk to each other and get that engagement from like human to human because they're going to live in the life of the computer and they're going to miss all this like, hey, your best friends or best people you know are probably the ones you hung out with in person. Absolutely. And yeah. there's an art of conversation that they're not going to pay attention to. So I wanted to get this thing started because he's going to gain. I, I mean, I'm gaining a lot from it, but I think he will too. If for me, it's cool. Just like, I don't know if Bodhi even knows why i do outdoor stuff like why i love the outdoors this is i don't well beautiful this is why you're here this is exactly this look you're gonna get to hear something from your dad you might not have had a chance to hear before oh and by the way i'm building hello (laughs) (laughs) so yes why do you love the outdoors and what are you gaining from it to share with your boy why do i love the outdoors I mean, it's it's really kind of multi-layered. There isn't one single thing I love about the outdoors. Um, and there's different things in the outdoors that I love, too. It's not just, you know, I enjoy being outside or, um, you know, I enjoy doing an activity. I would say what I enjoy the most is being outdoors and doing something challenging that at some point during it, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this is how I'm, you know, spending my vacation. Like, I like that moment of doubt and frustration and then having to push through that. Um, I love that about the outdoors. Um, I love the simplicity of it. Like, I feel like sometimes in my normal life, I have so much stuff. Like I have way too many shirts and pants and shoes and coffee cups and, um, (laughs) you know, just so much stuff. I mean, I just have a lot of stuff and to be in an environment where I'm just wearing the clothes I have on and there might be like some rain jacket someplace in there. Yeah. Um, I have one, you know, vessel that I boil water out of that I drink out of. I have like one utensil. Um, like I enjoy that. I like how simple it is. And I also really love when I'm doing certain things that, um, nothing else really matters as far as, go ahead, son. Yeah. We'll wait. We'll wait. No, no, no. I, I meant like asking him something, asking him something off camera. I mean, like not off camera. I mean, All right. Off mic. Don't worry. We're gonna cut that out. All right. So, so Mr. Bodie, this is what we'll do. We'll let your dad finish what he's saying, and then I'll pause, and then I'll let you ask the question you'd like to ask, oh, yeah. and then you'll get to sit in front of the mic and ask him, and then we'll do it that way. Okay. I was gonna, um, Okay, so 
so, so hold on for the question and I'll, I'll kind of finish saying what I love about the outdoors and then you can ask a question, Corey, Diego, and we can dig a little deeper. Cool. All right. So I think what I was going to say was. So you were saying you have a lot of stuff and you get down, you boil it down to where you have a few things and it's blissful because you only have what you need. Yeah. And it's not only the material aspect of it. There's like an emotional aspect of that as well. And just like the stress of my everyday life where like I have a company, I have a family, I have household responsibilities. I have, um, you know, just sometimes there just feels like there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things that need to be done. Um, and to be in an environment where, you know, I have to be focused on, you know, I just have to get to the top of that thing and I have to do that in a safe way. And that's the goal. Just get to the top. Okay. Now the goal is to get back to the bottom, you know, or the goal is to do 10 miles or, um, it just, all that other stuff doesn't matter. Like in that moment, if I'm trying to get, you know, to the top of some mountain, um, the bills that are due are irrelevant, <laughs> you know, yeah. like bringing a new business at work is irrelevant. Um, whether the kitchen is clean just doesn't matter. So all the day-to-day stresses, I love that not being there and not being a part of it. And there's always the risk of bringing that stuff anyway, you know, kind of bring in those daily stresses with me when I go places. Um, so have you noticed, does it take, if you can even tell like, oh, if I'm out two, three days, it takes me, takes you two days to kind of shake that off before you really kind of get that clarity? Yeah. I mean, if I had to put a measurement, I would say it takes, yeah, two days of being away. And then the last day is usually kind of this mental prep of, oh, I'm getting ready to be back in it, you know? Um, But it depends on the activity too. So sometimes when I'll do stuff, because I do have a family and I have responsibilities, I don't have unlimited time. Um, So for example, like over the summer, um, I wanted to do some some hiking. I like to hike kind of uh, in mountainous regions. So I flew into Reno and that day I was like, did I fly? Yeah, I flew into Reno. So that day I was like paddle boarding in Lake Tahoe. And that night I was sleeping in the mountains in Nevada. Um, and so sometimes my point is I just have to, like, I'm immersed in it pretty quickly just because mm-hmm. of time. And this is a solo mission. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and that helps too. Yeah. You know, so if I'm going someplace with a family, that's different, right? Totally. Like we get there, get the hotel, find something to eat, go on our itineraries. Um, it, that takes a couple of days for like all the day-to-day stresses to fade away. Right. But if I'm going paddling somewhere and I'm immediately in the water that day, then yeah, it doesn't take as long. Yeah. For sure. So you get there, you dive right in it. And how much like how much gear do you take as far as like food or? So it depends. It depends on what I'm doing. Um, so at the end of this month, um, I'm doing some backpacking in Big Bend. So I'll do what's called the Outer Mountain Loop, um, which is this really cool 30 mile loop. You um, you go into what's called the Chisos Basin of Big Bend. So that's the part of the park where there's like a restaurant and there's like little rooms you can rent. You know, it's the most touristy part. It's where the park headquarters is. Okay. So you start there and you hike up into this mountainous region. You kind of go through that. You hike down into the valley, into this canyon called Juniper Canyon. You walk through the desert, you know, for a day and a half. And then you kind of like go back to where you started. So to do that, it's 30 miles. I'm going with two other people. It'll be three days, two nights. Um, I've done it before where I just spent, where I did it in like a little more than a day by myself. I didn't enjoy that as much um, because I felt like I kind of rushed through it. And the truth is the reason why I did it so fast is um, there is a restaurant there and I woke up and I was hiking and I thought, man, if I really book it, I can eat in the restaurant tonight. And that sounded really (laughs) nice. (laughs) So I just like, you know, (laughs) like push through it. Um, So for instance, for, for this trip, it's pretty simple, man. I'm taking a backpack. Um, like I'm way into the gear associated <laughs> with doing outdoor stuff. I think that's part of the fun. Okay. Um, and, and my experience is when you get around other people that like backpacking and hiking and rock climbing and doing outdoor stuff, inevitably the conversation 
turns towards gear. I think a lot of people are kind of into like, you know, like what sleeping bag do you use? What tent? Yeah. You know, is that a, you know, a snow peak spork? Is that a, <laughs> like, well, you know, it's just kind of part of the fun. It's yeah. like the toys involved in it. So for that, I've got like, you know, um, a 45 liter pack that I use. I use this Osprey Exos pack. It's pretty lightweight. Um, it's not, it's by far not the most lightweight pack available, but it's comfortable. So okay. it's kind of, you know, works both ways. Um, if I was going to do some, you know, Appalachian Trail four to six month backpacking thing, then I might re- rethink that. But for 30 miles, no big deal. Right. So I'll do that. Um, I'll bring freeze dried meals. So they're kind of like MREs. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I lived off those when I was in my first apartment and broke. Yeah, I had so, a buddy in the Marines and he gave us a big box of MREs. So the yeah, I know the, straight up I was a month on MRE meals. So I'm the military in. MREs are good. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of fascinating. Military MREs have sometimes like a little bottle of Tabasco and a you know like a little dessert. I like love that Skittles. little brownie, man. That brownie's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're kind of magical, but they're heavy too. The yeah. uh, military MREs, like I feel for those guys. I've never been in the military. Uh, but uh, walk around with that stuff in your pack. I mean, they're definitely heavier. So yeah, I do like little freeze dried stuff. I like. Um, I don't eat a lot of snacks for lunch. I usually have like some sort of like little peanut butter thing. Um, do you take like a lot of nuts, like dried foods like that? Not really, because my experience is I don't I don't eat that much, and okay. you have to stop to eat typically. Gotcha. So I'll have breakfast before I leave. I usually do like a freeze dried granola thing. Um, you know, doesn't weigh very much. Just put boiling water in it. For lunch, I'll eat some like packaged salmon, uh, some little stinger energy jelly things, some peanut butter, and then I'm gone. And then for dinner, I have like my little uh, freeze-dried MRE. But anyway, so I bring, I have like my food. This trip, I'm sleeping in a bivy. So bivy is like a, um, so the, like animals will create a bivouac is what they're called. So it's like a little shelter. So a bivy is essentially like, picture a sleeping bag that zips up completely. Um, so it's like okay. a minimalist shelter. Gotcha. Yeah. Typically I use like a lightweight two person tent, mm-hmm. but I just want to test out this bivy. Okay. So I'll do that. I take a backpacking quilt. I don't take like a full on sleeping bag because uh, a quilt's just a lot lighter. I right. take a, a liner depending on the weather. So that's like a um, sleeping bag liner. So it makes it warmer, but it's super lightweight. Okay. Um, I use a. I usually have some sort of stuff sack that doesn't weigh anything that you could stuff things in. I'll put my jacket in there. That's my pillow. Oh, right. Um, so you're, it's a way to like stash your yeah, equipment. So, yes. Yeah, so my sleeping system is what it's, it's kind of what you call it. Like, like, gotcha. like your sleeping system, your stove system. My sleeping system is collectively, gosh, man, I don't know what it weighs, but you know, less than two pounds or something. Whoa. Um, and then, yeah, I've got a pot to boil water in. I've got um, a little stove that uh, doesn't weigh anything, like weighs ounces. Um, you just screw it on top of a fuel canister. Um, that's and I've got trekking poles. That's it. You so know? there's like a tiny like like propane or something container mm-hmm. for the fire. Yeah, you just yeah, torch, you yeah. Burn so the water. it's yeah, ISO fuel. That's what it's called. Okay. Um, I can't remember what exactly type of fuel that is, but it's like a little canister, a uh, four ounce canister. Um, yeah, and you screw a thing on the top of it, and then shoots a flame. Put your pot on top of it. It's a backpacking stove essentially, and you can do okay. lots of different things. But in a lot of places, there's burn bans. So in Big Ben, I can't make a fire. Um, so you have to bring something, you know, to cook your food on. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it. I don't always, this is the truth, I don't always bring first aid stuff. Oh, um, really? You know, I'll bring duct tape, like a little bit of duct tape. So in case your arm is completely gashed open, you just tape that up? Well, I, out. well, I so, mean, honestly, that's like, well, so I'm not saying this is responsible, <laughs> um, but it really is. I, I think after a while, most, um, hikers, backpackers, you kind of, you start to measure the difference between luxury and necessity. Gotcha. So what's necessary and what's a luxury? The saying is you don't want to pack your fears. So you don't gotcha. want to have a whole bunch of like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens type thing? Um, 
So there is a balance between, you know, do you have shelter? Do you have first aid? Do you have enough food and water? And do I want to carry all this stuff with me? So duct tape works well for blisters. Um, I always oh, really? have I always have a bandana. So I guess if like I needed to, I could create a sling with that. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean that's I think everything I'm taking. I take a little bit of coffee, some decaf hot hot tea bags. <laughs> oh, so it's in tea. You don't need to carry loose grounds. You just like tea bag coffee. Yeah, so I take loose grounds for my coffee, uh, okay. but at night, if it's going to be cold, I want like a hot beverage, so mm-hmm. decaf off tea. And I think that's everything I'll bring on this trip. And then the people I'm going with, I'll say quickly, um, oh, and I'll bring like wipes, you know, for going to the bathroom. And I've got a titanium little spade to make a hole in the ground. Okay. They're called yeah. cat holes. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of... I mean, you could talk all day about this kind of stuff. There's a lot of leave no trace principles. Yeah. So you always want to leave it better than you found it when you go outdoors. So, you know, you kind of want to like dig a hole far away from the trail, mm-hmm. cover it up. Can you um, only go, are they, there's, there's strict rules where you can only go so far off the trail in order not to impact? Well, it depends on where you oh. are. So where I'm going, you get a backcountry permit to go really wherever you want in the backcountry, sleep wherever you want. Oh, nice. Um, they have some guidelines around don't sleep on the trail don't go to the bathroom on the trail. Um, you don't want to go to the bathroom, you know, close to a water source, which isn't an issue in Big Bend because there's not a lot of water sources. Um, but ideally, you know, the best place to go to the bathroom <laughs> is you want to find like a, like a tree that's fallen down that you can kind of like hang off. And maybe there's like a big rock behind it that you can move and you just like go off the tree and put the rock back on top of it and you're like, you're kind of done. There's a lot of places in the country now though, they're moving towards wag bags where you have this little, uh, I, I did do a wag bag in the canyon cause there it's, it's super strict where we did mm-hmm. ammo cans. You leave nothing. It's pack it in, pack it out like a hundred percent down to tiny crumbs on your tablecloth. So that's the first time I got familiar with that whole system yeah and i i, I support that I, yeah. I i think less impact sense. is better yeah all right bodie you got a question um I, well, this is really so get go ahead and get right in front of that thing i was just gonna say like i don't really like hiking that much but like i will go on like a one two three mile hiking trip and i'm like I enjoy hiking, but I don't really like walking that far. So, but I am in a scouting thing, and I like that. But that's awesome. And then the cool part for you is we're your dads, right? So you're looking to us like, hey, what is my dad doing? So your dad's doing these awesome hikes, solo trips, group trips. He's a scouting leader for you. And one day you're gonna be big and strong and one day like way later because we're super strong right now and there's nothing better than feeling like crazy strong one day i'll be a weak old man and you will be the strong grown-up man and you're gonna be doing these things and very you're gonna not realize it now but it's soaking in your dad knows it's soaking in it's getting in your head you don't think it is but it is so how like yeah, you know. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't know. That's fine. We're not supposed. We don't even know. It's important to me that um, Bodhi is like cares about the environment and cares about the world and is kind of like a steward. And, I do. Very yes. good. Yeah, he, he does. He does. And I firmly believe for him to continue to, he has to experience the outdoors to care about the outdoors. I don't think that by just seeing stuff on TV, reading books. He's gonna. Um, it'll mean as much to him. So yeah, that that's kind of the secondary gain. Other than, yeah. you know, I think it's like, you know, healthy for him and cool. Um, yeah, I want him to take care of the environment and um, yeah, to really take care of it. He's got to love it. So yeah, I I admire that you do that stuff. I didn't. It always sounded cool, and I was like, like I told you, like city boy, and I've never like <laughs> doing the Grand Canyon. Like it's the only thing I can refer to because it's the only time I was outdoors doing something hard with a group of people we had a mission right and it was crazy it's like this amount of time uh you start here and you end here and then you got 17 days you got to do x amount of miles you work you have to work together you're like when you go on these solo trips like i was i was trying to think there's a difference between being alone and isolated mm-hmm. like i could be alone in my house right but i'm not 
isolated because I got neighbors here, I got neighbors there, I'm in a city. But you are not only alone, but you're isolated. And I can't imagine how, like I stepped away a couple times on the trip and I, I was kind of thinking I should have probably done it a few more times. Mm-hmm. But like, I admire that you're going on these trips because the clarity that I got from just dipping away for a few hours was awesome. So I, I know like we talked about meditation, like do you like do a straight up traditional meditation, like sit down or do you think it's more of like a walking meditation when you're doing this long hike and you don't really have to, you're like alone with your thoughts, right? Yeah, yeah, get yeah, I think that um, there's a large degree of mindfulness that happens. Um, and, you know, for me, my practice is meditation is really just an act of mindfulness. So the kind of meditation that speaks to me is really just sitting and not um, attaching on to any thought that comes my way. So that'll be, you know, like I'm at the house, a car drives by. Okay, you know, sound is just a sound. You know, um, I don't even close my eyes all the way. So maybe like one of our pets runs by. I'm like, all right, you know, that's, you know, like a sight is just a sight, but not attaching on to it. Right. And I like that because. Um, in my day-to-day life, I might feel anxiety, I might feel fear, I might feel anger. There might be some emotions that um, don't serve me well. So it gives me the practice of, well, okay, you know, anger is just anger. You know, fear is just fear and not attaching mm-hmm. onto it. So typically when I'm outdoors, um, yeah, it's a form of walking meditation. Um, different though in the way that I was kind of taught walking meditation is this very slow movement mm-hmm. where I'm outdoors. I'm like like booking it because yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to get somewhere. <laughs> You're on the move. You know, yeah, I'm on the move. Um, and yeah, I have time constraints. Yeah, I don't have the luxury again since I have a family and commitments. It's just like you know, I'll get there when I get there. You know, there's right. always I need to be back on the plane by this time. I need to be at the car by this time. Um, but I don't listen to music or podcasts when I'm hiking by myself. Um, I enjoy the silence. Mm-hmm. Um, also feel like it keeps my my senses kind of sharp, you know, totally. so like I don't get lost or, you know, um, yeah, I don't hurt myself. Like you're not willfully distracting yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I just enjoy the silence of it, honestly. Yeah. I do. Well, it's not, that's crazy because it's not actually silent because you hear like your feet and the rustle, you probably hear wind, you hear animals, you yeah 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 um yeah it's 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 kind of a distraction and and also like i'm looking for something like for a unique experience and i listen to podcasts and music all the time (laughs) yeah so it's kind of nice to get a break from that too you know i will say this though doing the solo stuff is not my preference i prefer being outdoors with other people i like to share the experience um but like I'm at a point in my life where I feel like I've not done a lot of things I've wanted to do because, you know, I've waited for people to have either the time, the resources, the ability, you know, schedules to match that I've bailed on a lot of like epic stuff I could have done um, because I couldn't find someone to do it with me or the time he didn't work. Gotcha. So I made a decision really these past couple of years. Um, so that's what pushed you to say, I'm doing this yeah yeah i'm just gonna do it you know so like i want to go to the top of every fourteen thousand foot mountain in colorado it's not always easy living in texas to find people to do that with yeah so um so when we go to denver you know over the summer we'll go to visit family and stuff i'm like i'm gonna dip out and go on a hike yeah and try to knock out a couple of these you know um yeah because i want to do it yeah you know i mean if if you want to link up with some people in Colorado. Like most of the dudes we went to, um, through the river with are from mm-hmm. Colorado. Hikers, hang gliders, climbers, river rats. I'll send, I'll connect you with them when you go up there. You'll find some people to go, and they'll probably know a good path. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's better to do that stuff. I'll give you a good example. So, um, so over the summer, I, I hiked up to the top of Boundary Peak, which is the high, highest point in Nevada. Um, and I took the wrong route. So I basically walked up like scree. So scree is like loose rock on a mountain. Okay, let me stop. Bodhi, did you hear your dad climbed up a mountain, got lost? Did you know this story? No. Well, welcome <laughs> welcome to his mind. Let, you, did you know your dad just climbed a mountain solo and got lost? I didn't know that. All right, well, you're about to hear the tale. <laughs> and also, I was just, I was just going to say, 
That you got to get right in front of that thing. I was just going to say, like, when you said, like, I don't, like, I listen to music all the time. It's actually true because every time I get in the call with him, I do ask him to play the um, window that has music on it. So I get it's kind of nice to take a break every once in a while. I'm with it. And I also like hiking, like, with people to talk to. But I also like hi- like hiking with, like, there is people with me. But, like... I don't really talk to them that much because I enjoy thinking and I enjoy thinking and stuff. I That's don't good. Yeah, yeah, th- that makes me really happy to hear that. Um, All right, so you were climbing on the top of the Sierra. Yeah. It's, so what was the name of the mountain again? Uh, Boundary Peak. Boundary so Peak. I was taking the route that I had planned, um, but I just planned the wrong route. I planned a route which was more difficult than I knew it would be. Okay. Um, so, so it was frustrating. It was like snowshoeing and a sand dune. It was like, you know, like take a step and slide back. Um, oh. There, you know, the elevation gain was, you know, more severe. It wasn't like switchbacks. It was like go up the side of the mountain on all the sand. Oh. So the point is it was really hard and it was really frustrating. Um, and I can tell you about it, um, but words don't put the experience to justice of like, you know, the, it was hot. I was sweating, you know, like it was really hard and it would have been cool if someone could have been there. So, they so would, this, this was a solo mission too. Yeah. Yeah. It so would have you been, were slip. So you're putting all your effort and slipping all the time. Yeah. Yeah. As you're trying to climb. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> and there's and, no way to go around. Not at this point. No. <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't plan an alternative, you know, route either. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would be nice if there was like someone in the world that could be like, "Oh man, dude, that was so hard." Yeah, like it sucked, you know. But we got to the top and it, it was okay. Um, yeah, but there was no one there to share that experience. And then on the way back down, um, you know, I got a little turned around. Thankfully, I have a watch that has um, you can do breadcrumbs, so it can show you the way you came. So that actually helped me to get back to the trailhead. Okay, because so I was in this wooded area. There were like. Um, like these free roaming cows everywhere. Like I came across this, like I went the wrong way. There was like this dead cow. I like, Wait a minute, walked there's, on. There's such thing as wild cows. Well, not wild cows. Like, like, like cows that are grazing, you gotcha. know, but, but there's no fences, you know, people use national park land and, okay. uh, you know, federal land, uh, for their animals all the time. Okay. Um, I have a question. Did you say you walked on a dead cow? I walked up to a dead cow. He walked, and, and he and he opened the stomach and slept inside. <laughs> Just like Bear Grylls. It's hardcore. <laughs> no, but it, it was freaky. You He's know? Um, yeah. So I'm like turned around, um, you know, frazzled because here's like this, you know, decaying animal. Yeah. Then all of a sudden this cow comes out of nowhere and like runs through all these trees because I startled it. Um, but again, I can tell you all about this stuff. Uh, but it would have been cool if there was someone else there. So, yeah. you know, um, so someone could witness it also. Um, so, I, yeah, but the trade off is. I'm just going to say someone could have been following you. That's so. all right. Um, yeah, but the trade off is there wasn't anyone that had the, the time or the ability to go on the trip. Okay. And, and you weren't going to pass up another yeah, chance no way, to man. get out there and yeah, no be in way. nature like you want to be in and not make it dependent on somebody mm-hmm. else like oh I can't do this because of that person and quit putting blame on other situations and kind of take it on yourself like oh if I don't go it's actually because I chose not to yeah, go. Yeah I'm making the choice to not go because no one else can go. Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, the the positive sides to all of that like to do and stuff solo is you know I was on the highest point in Nevada all by myself. There's no one else up there. That's really cool. That's got to feel super empowering. It does. Yeah. Um, I felt very accomplished when I was done. Um, like I did this by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I do enjoy that. And then you don't have to deal with another personality. Like the best traveling partner is someone that, at least for me, is someone who's easygoing, that doesn't mind you know, going the wrong way, sleeping in the dirt, eating weird stuff. Um, a non-complainer. Yeah. And a more grateful person in yeah. general. A- absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then also someone that has an opinion, though, not someone that's just like, yo, whatever you want to do, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like I, I need a person that has like input also. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's not always easy to find that. But um, I've done most of my outdoor stuff has been in groups. Um, so 
yeah, I don't know. Ask me, ask me other questions unless you want me to keep going. No, nah, I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I think it's like, so that's interesting. You're talking about the gear, like mm-hmm. the one pad I got for my trip is the one that you use your foot to like inflate it. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of it. It's red. It's like, it's the only one that's, that's their thing is it's red and it's inflatable. And we got out there and I was like, this is going to be the jam because I don't need a pump. I pump it up with my foot. Super comfortable. They had those uh, Paco pads. Mm-hmm. kind of in self-inflate and all this and then the first like five or six days where me and my buddy the city boys are like propping up the tent build it out i'm like hey i, I see tons of scorpions i might die whatever <laughs> and by the seventh day i'm just sleeping in a chair just yeah. right after the campfire burns out i'm just like got my same little hoodie cover my face and i'm cool in the chair everybody else is like sleeping on boats just just as they are and I, and it took me days to kind of like you said just kind of shake off the, all the crazy insanity in your brain like oh, I'm thinking about this and you know, that and worried about I'm away from the family but I'm here I'm in I'm here now you know there's no turning back and then you see like you said as far as stripping down mm-hmm. to bare necessities when you fir- when I first met everybody it's like, oh, let me let me check out your clothes. Let me kind of size you up. What kind of shirt or hat are you wearing? Mm-hmm. Or who? And you're just like automatically judging, even though you're trying not to. You kind of are. Sure. Where are you from? And what do you do? And blah blah blah. But when we're out there, all of a sudden, three, four, five days in, I, I, no one's shaving. Don't matter what you look like doesn't matter what job you have doesn't really matter where you're from what mattered all of a sudden was how nice are you how nice are you to be around mm-hmm. how much are you helping us and that became like the value system shifted to like hey you're super helpful and nice and nice to talk to it the flip rolls of like a person you'd immediately be like oh this crazy ball guy <laughs> who looks lazy is all of a sudden the most helpful knowledgeable person that all of a sudden rank boom steps way up you're like that's the dude all my respect goes to him he's nice he helps he's knowledgeable it just it flipped my you know judgment of how you know where you not disrespect but give respect like you all of a sudden it was a different value system which i really dug yeah i think i think the outdoors and doing um adventure activities um yeah i think it provides a new um perspective on things yeah because yeah i mean i'll speak for myself it's easier for me to walk around with like a measuring stick you know like meet people and be like well where do you measure up you know where do i measure up um compared to you um and I don't find that very helpful. <laughs> you know? It usually isn't. Yeah. So it usually ends with like, you know, two outcomes, either I'm better than or less than. Um, and again, that doesn't serve me very well. Um, so yeah. And the, and that, yeah, it's nice to, to be able to see that stuff. So you go outdoors and you're like, oh, wow, like the way I approach things doesn't really function you know, right. as well out here. So I wonder if it functions as well when I'm not here too, you know, it gives you the opportunity really to be a better person, mm-hmm. you know, and to kind of question how you approach things and um, yeah, how you live your life. Yeah. I think there's a, a lot of, a lot of lessons, not just the material stuff like, Oh, do I need so much stuff? I really don't. Right. Um, but you know, what's valuable in a person. It's not so much what they do, where they live, how they look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who they are, do they have integrity? You know, are they a hard worker? Are they compassionate? Um, you know, do they make me feel at ease? Do they support me? Like those are the things that become important when you're doing like stuff with a group. Like I, I grew up in the city. I grew up in Houston. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. I grew up in Houston. I grew up in the suburbs, moved to the city. Um, when I was like the day I turned 18, um, you know, always lived close to downtown and I got into doing outdoor stuff really, um, you know, like I grew up in a kind of a, like a chaotic home environment. Um, so when, when I turned 18, I kind of, uh, like I, I grew up at a lot of like struggles with like, um, like alcohol and substances and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I stopped um, 
you know, I got completely sober when I was 18, started hanging out with a like-minded group of people. And, uh, we would all go out and do like kind of these activities together. Um, and some of it was, you know, it was all planned around kind of creating, you know, this like, you know, fellowship and finding something to do that was fun outside of partying, you gotcha. know? Um, so we would do stuff like, um, yeah, we'd go camping. Um, we, you know, would canoe in Arkansas. Um, so that was that was kind of like my my introduction. So to, who who got you in that group? Well, or did you yourself go looking for? No, I mean it was kind of it was kind of or forced upon you. It was kind of complicated. I haven't <laughs> talked about all of this with Bodie. Gotcha. Um, okay, yeah. I, I, I see you navigating it carefully. So yeah, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. So it was. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of reached this point where, um, you know, I needed some help. I went someplace. Um, they introduced me to like forms of support. I got tied into those forms of support. Um, so it was like organized in that sense. Um, so it was like these counseling programs and I eventually started working for them um, and working with teenagers that, you know, got in trouble a whole lot um, okay. that were trying to do better with their lives. And part of the program outside of like the therapy mental health aspect was doing um, outward bound style stuff. Okay. So going like doing challenges. Um, and that was just really eye opening to me. Um, I think that if you want to really like see like, like a change happen for a person that's in a bad place, like the recipe is put them someplace where there's no cell service, give them, um, you know, a challenge like, you know, get to mile 50, you know, get to the top of this thing, um, throw in a campfire and yeah, you see like magical things happen. It's you crazy. know, yeah, you really do. So I learned that in my adolescence that, um, yeah, that environment kind of unplugging, um, fellowship, doing something that was difficult, um, sitting around a campfire that that felt good. And cool things happen from that. So I think I, I just built off that. Yeah. And like, how do I incorporate that in my personal life outside of my work life? Because I worked in that environment. Okay. For. Yeah. How many years did you do that? Oh, gosh, man. I mean, I volunteered into my mid 20s and then I worked in that environment until my um, late 30s, oh, wow. I guess. Um yeah, like when we moved to Austin, I moved to Austin. I opened up a nonprofit that kind of did the same stuff, uh, provided services for teenagers, for their parents, did um, outdoor activities. Um, yeah, and then when I stopped doing that, I just did a complete 180, and I work in construction. And um, so, so all the outdoor stuff I do is really just for myself now. For yourself, to keep that going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, you did that for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. It was very gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. I think that working with teenagers, I think adolescence is a really special time in someone's life. You know, you have, um, it's like this balance between being a child and being an adult. Um, I think teenagers, well, scientifically, you, when you're a teen, you're about as smart as you're going to be. Like there's a difference between your emotional intelligence and your uh, your cognitive intelligence. Okay. So you understand things well, but you don't process them emotionally as as well. You haven't like caught up to that yet. Right. So you understand what's going on. You just don't know how to deal with it. You know, like and you learn how to deal with it as you get older. So being able to be a part of someone's life and help them navigate that is mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of outdoor stuff. Um, so yeah, that's really kind of how I fell in love with it. And then I can pinpoint moments. Like there was a moment I was in Colorado. We, so my buddy and I, this is actually kind of cool. Um, so in six days, so like we left Austin and we went to Guadalupe mountains and we hiked up to the uh, highest point in Texas, then drove into New Mexico went to sleep and then hiked to the tallest point in New Mexico and then drove into Colorado, um, went to sleep, hiked up to the tallest point of Colorado. Um, and then he got sick. Um, so we took a day off and then the next day we did these three 14,000 or four 14,000 foot mountains that are right next to each other. So you can kind of like, and you do, you do each hike up in a single day. Yeah. Yeah. Like up Does and the down. elevation mess with your 
you know, I, I've been, whole ox- I've never climbed up a mountain. Like, is that oxygen up and down mess with you at all? Yeah. Or so is it just the fatigue of yeah. So people can get it. altitude sickness living in alpine regions. Like, you can't really control it, okay. you know, to a degree. Um, but you can definitely prepare for it. You know, you can acclimate. So when you get to a higher elevation, you typically want to spend a little bit of time there before you go higher. Gotcha. That's the reason why. Like, think about like Mount Everest, they have like base camps, right. you know, like you go to base camp one, spend a few days there, go to base camp two, spend a few days there. Um, but again, I don't always have the time to do that. And I've been really fortunate that I don't, it doesn't affect me. Your lungs just boss up and they're like, I got this. It feels that way. <laughs> yeah. I had a different experience on Mount Whitney over this Where's summer. Mount Whitney? So Mount Whitney is in California. It's the highest point in the lower 48 states. It's like Gosh, 14,600 or something like that. Um, that's the first time I've ever got altitude sickness. Um, but so I'll talk about that in a second. So, so my buddy and I were doing these 14ers in Colorado. And um, yeah, I just decided that I want to go to the highest point in all 50 states. You know, so, cool. so let's like start that process. So, how, this, how many is there? Well, the highest point in all 50 states, so there's 50. So the highest point of each state. Of every state. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so this trip was like the starting point of that. So we did okay. um, we did Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, and then came home. So that took about six days. And then we threw in um, those, those four 14ers like in the middle of that. Um, so there's this point where we're walking up. We did Mount uh, Lincoln, Democrat, Cameron, and Bross. Um, those were the four 14,000 foot mountains and they're all pretty close to each other. So you're walking on like what's called the ridge. So you have okay. like the summit of a mountain and then the point that connects that summit to the next summit. So we're walking in this environment and I was like, I mean, I was just overwhelmed with like how badass it was, just how beautiful <laughs> yeah. it was. Like walking in the snow up so high all around me is other mountains. Um, yeah, that I think something really clicked in my brain on that trip where, um, like, I need to do this. Like, this is what I like to do. You know, like, I like kayaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy, like, doing some rock climbing. I like hiking. I like doing all that stuff. But being up high, um, yeah, it just clicked. Like, that's what I really love is, uh, yeah, walking around on the top of mountains. Like, that's cool. <laughs> so that's really, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, but, like. Yeah. I feel super lazy right now. <laughs> I should be climbing some mountains. Yeah. If, if you ever have you ever been up to Alaska? I haven't. I haven't. Um, I got a really close though. friend that she's been up there. They live uh, something like fifty or sixty miles north of Fairbanks. Straight, solo, sustained, self-sustained. Vet, you know, grow their own stuff in the summer, hunt in the winter. Her uh, husband builds cabins, built their own house. Total, pretty much mostly self-sustained life up there in the arctic so if you want to go up there and do rainier or anything else like i can hook you up with her yeah they're, I, they're like i want to go up there and she asks us all the time and um but if i you get there before me like i'll connect you okay yeah because that i mean um when i was there in sixth grade my uncle and aunt let me live with them he was mm-hmm. in the air force at elmendorf and the coolest place we were i was learning to ski was called mount alieska and the little part that you ski on is way up high. I'm a kid. I don't know how high it really is. It was the highest part I've ever been. But you go way to the top of the mountain. You can see all the other mountain ridge tops, And you're skiing only on maybe like uh, a mile at the top of it. And there's this little tiny. Okay. You got me? Gotcha. So, okay. All right. So we're back on now. I don't know. It was messing up. Hello. Hello. Okay. So I was saying I was going to die. <laughs> um, but to in agreeing with you, being on the top of a mountain, even though I was uh, 12 years old, it was the most beautiful, pristine a mind-blowing place I've ever been. I can't actually, now that I'm saying it, I can't believe I haven't gone back. Yeah. Because I would really love to take the whole family, let them meet her. And it was uh, it was my roommate in college. Uh, this girl used to live with us. She went one semester in college. She's like, I'm going to go to Alaska for some trip. 
some quick hiking thing, right? She was, she used to go to Big Bend all the time by herself and tough girl. Mm-hmm. She went to Alaska, called a few months later. She's like, I'm never coming back. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm good. This is beautiful. I'm, I've found it. I can't help but admire her connection, her immediate connection, and then confidence say, I know I found what I need to be in. I'm staying. That happens so rarely for people, if ever. And she's, she's been there since. She's been there since she went. She's got a kid now. Like I said, lives in a house they built. They eat food they hunt. They eat food they grow off the grid. Yeah. And she's couldn't be happier. Yeah, I, I, I question my existence. Every, <laughs> really, like every time I go on a trip, like, you know, I, I start – even like little stuff. So, so the highest point in every state is not always a mountain. So, um, last month, like I have, uh, I have some work in Indiana. So I drove, um, so I'm using this as an opportunity to hit some of the high points in the Midwest. So I drove to the, um, I want to do the highest point in Mississippi is what the goal was. Okay. So I drove through and it's so different, man, living in Texas, it takes all day to get out of Texas, but I left Evansville, Indiana, drove through, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, spent the night in, um, oh, what state was it? I went to some cool music studio in Muscle Shoals. Um, where is it? That's also Indiana? No, Are no, you now no. now in Mississippi? Yeah. No, so the state below Tennessee is? Geography fail going on Georgia. Right I don't Georgia, right? Georgia? It yeah. crosses Georgia and Alabama? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was in Georgia. <laughs> so anyway, so the, the point is, so I'm, uh, so you know, the highest point in Mississippi is like really nothing, not that big okay. of a deal. But again, I'm just trying to check them off the list. Gotcha. But even driving through these rural parts of Tennessee, I'm like, why do I live in the city, man? Like, I don't get it. Like, I went to Nashville, had lunch, and I was like, you know, this is cool, but it's a city. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I live in a city, uh, but that happens. You know, when I'm in the mountains, I'm like, why am I not in the mountains all the time? Why do I not live in Leadville, Colorado? Why don't I live, you know, in Alaska um, to the point of why do I live in such an urban area? Why don't I live in a more rural environment? Um, But it's tricky because it's not all about me. You know, like I have a wife, I have a kid. Um, So, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely tricky. But, yeah, it happens to me all the time when when I travel and I'm someplace outdoors. I'm like, yeah, I question my life. Like, why am I not doing this more often? Like, uh, why? Why isn't this my profession? (laughs) Yeah, there was a guy I met who he did not. I'm pretty sure he did not have a college degree, but he had a ton of experience climbing and mountain bike riding, fixing Mm -hmm. bikes and roping and climbing tall summits. And so he got in with a private school and became their outdoor teacher. Mm -hmm. And that's his job is to take them on hikes, take them climbing, take them, you know, build through bikes uh, and take them on mountain bike courses. That's his job now. So he just has them do, okay, we're going to do prepping on super cold, wet days. You prep gear, go through all your things, do your check your locks, you know, make sure you can do your knots, tune your bikes. And when soon as the weather's good, they go out and they hike. They do a climb, they map it out, they use old school maps, sat navs, and that's, he kind of fell into it because he knew the coordinator at whatever school he's teaching at mm-hmm. and said, how about I do that for the school? And they just opened up a spot and now that's part of their curriculum. Yeah, that's awesome. So, it, you know, he kind of fell into it, but it's like you said, like it, he was doing something else and he knew that he was tighter with that and his person. Yeah, there's always a an inner struggle I have between, um, yeah, I could just go work at Austin Kayak. Um, I could, you know, go go do something <laughs> like that. And then yeah, um, you got kids to feed. Well, yeah. Then I'm like, well, but I really want to buy more records, you know, <laughs> like I really yeah. want to, you know, go on, you know, uh, cooler vacations. I like I, I like all the material stuff also. Right. Um, and then I want to provide for my family. You know, I want them to have nice stuff. Um, so, yeah. Um, so what I strive for is, you know, just some um, self-acceptance in the way of like, it's okay. Like being able to take some trips is enough. Like, gotcha. totally. um, cause I do think I struggle with this kind of all or nothing 
mentality of like, I need to be outdoors all the time, doing the thing all the time. I need to, and, and then, it's not like that. But, but then if you did it all the time, it might change and you're yeah, like, I who, can't be doing this all the time. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for what I have though. Cause not everyone has the opportunity to, um, you know, take an extra day on a business trip to drive through the South. Yeah. You and, know? and it's awesome. And you have your support of, you got your wife and your kid Absolutely. and that's a lot of support on the back home too. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and you guys do it as a unit, also, right? Yeah, yeah we do a lot of camping trips. together. Um, it's it took me a lot of years to um, kind of get this mentality of we would go car camping, and Robin would bring um, like a pillow from home and a blanket and uh-huh. all this stuff. And I'd be like, well, might as well just stay at home. You know, you just bring yeah. the whole house with us. <laughs> um, you know, so her and Bodie would be you know these like big mattresses with you know comfy pillows, and I'm on like a backpacking you know uh pad was like sandpaper and a rock exactly right my bed yeah and then i started to be like well wait wait this this doesn't have to be this way right um yeah i think what really helped me was when i realized that i can get like car camping gear that there's like oh i can just buy a bunch of gear for car camping you know so i get like a really cool like stove that isn't a backpacking stove um so anyway but yeah we do a lot of uh that stuff together and then we go hiking together as well um when we go to colorado we'll typically go on a nice hike robin went to university of boulder okay. uh university of colorado in boulder rather um so she loves that area and she really got into hiking there she's um she rows on town lake every week um through the austin rowing club so she likes to do water sports oh, so yeah. we'll do some of that together um i will say this about family though so there's this understood thing and this ties into the danger aspect. There's certain stuff I'm not allowed to do. Like, okay. a, you know, like my wife's like, you just can't do that. Yeah. And I agree with her. Um, cause I don't want, I want to always want to come back home. Um, that's probably, that's probably a good call. Yeah. Um, and so there's certain things like I'll probably never climb Everest because of that, you know, like yeah. the, the danger aspect, um, you know, and, and the financial aspect, but you know, like the danger, it's, uh, it's too dangerous. So when I was in Colorado last summer, we did um so i wanted to do mount evans and mount beardstadt so mount evans is a mountain in colorado you can drive to the top to so i didn't want to go to that 14 or by driving to the top so i hiked to the top of mount beardstadt i think i'm pronouncing that correctly and then we traversed what's called the sawtooth ridge so we walked across this ridge that connects it to mount evans and uh then hiked to the top and then hitched a ride to our car and went back. So okay. I did this with uh, my wife's cousin's husband. And it was um, it was kind of dangerous. I mean, you there really are, um, the exposure is really extreme. Okay. You know, like I have pictures of like where my feet are. It's just a sheer drop, you know, like down. Yeah. Um, and I kept telling Chuck, the guy I was with, um, I was like, I don't know if we're going to do this or not. There might be a point where I say, hey, we're going to turn around or we're just going to go down this way because uh, I can't risk us doing something too dangerous. Um, so, yeah, I always have to balance that because it's not just me. Right. You know, I have other people to consider. Um, but I really love the danger aspect, though. So, yeah, man. It's like <laughs> the, when I, before I went on my trip, it was there's a pretty minimal almost – almost non-existent threat of death on the trip I went on. Mm -hmm. But even there being a tiny one, I took it upon myself to look at it as an opportunity of, all right, I'm going to prepare in case the inevitable happens. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to put my mind there. I'm talking wrapping up the will, doing things that I've been telling myself I was going to do for my wife or for the kids. I have a journal. I write to both of them, make sure I've got recent entries all in there wills hammered out what happens if i'm gone wife's gone mm-hmm. put that put put everything out that i wanted to have there as if you know ti- you know time's up time's up and i'm gone i can walk away and be like or not walk away i guess i just kind of get buried away but i've done what i needed to do up to that point and i'm happy with where i'm at yeah and it was the first time I really put my head there to say, okay, and it felt so good to know, all right, I've actually thought about what I'm doing right now in that when I'm gone. Yeah. And then I've tried to like carry that since I came back as, okay, am I, 
if tomorrow's a day did I do everything I was telling myself I'm gonna do this later or I'm gonna do that did I say what I meant to say so I try to be more cognizant of that mm-hmm. since I came back and so I, it's cool that you keep going on these missions because I feel like I need a little rejuvenation because <laughs> when you get that wave of you know that sense that you know you get that yeah the danger the clarity and you bring something home that you know she asked me well tell me what happened you know i'm talking this could this took a year to process kind of what happened and everything you can't just say in one sentence like besides how was it oh it's great there's so many deep layers to trips like that i I believe there's a there's a parallel process to things meaning like um things don't happen in in a vacuum uh you know simplest way if i'm you know kind to people at work then i'm kind to my family or vice versa like things happen kind of like this parallel way mm-hmm. so in the outdoors for instance when i'm doing things where there's a lot of exposure i have to trust like the rock i have to trust the mountain like it's not going to crumble it's not going to break away i have right. to trust my legs um i have to have um you know confidence i have to um you know trust that i know what to do i've prepared and therefore but if I go through that formula, I'll get the outcome I'm looking for and I'll be safe and I'll get to the destination. Right. So the parallel process is, um, you know, in my day to day life, you know, as well. Sometimes things get, you know, I, I know. All right. Things feel really sketchy right now, but I've prepared for this. You know, I know the risk. I know how to navigate it. Um, so it may not be, you know, on the top of a mountain with a sheer drop. But the same principles apply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really really pretty cool. The thing, I, like on a separate note, what I really hope for Bodhi is um, that not only does he love the outdoors, but I can't stress enough. There's this part of like the challenge that I love. Like I like it, the hard part of it, like where it's really hard. Like yeah. I really like that. And I hope that um, he gets a passion for that too, like to be able to be stuck in something that's really difficult and have to figure it out and enjoy that work of it. Like, like here's here's an example. So we were, my buddy and I, we decided to kayak the Devil's River. Um, Where's that? It's in Texas. It's okay. really, um, it's really secluded. It's the most pristine river in Texas. It's spring fed. It's beautiful. You, there's a lot of stipulations to get on the water, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm not like a whitewater kayaker at all. Um, so we didn't have the right boats. The weather uh, was really bad. It was super cold. Um, we didn't have wetsuits. It was all like the good oh, ingredients of difficulty. Man, it, it was. We ended up bailing halfway through because oh, it just really? wasn't fun anymore. And we're and and I explained to him, I was like, hey, you know, like if this is like. Um, mountaineering like every mountaineer has an unsuccessful summit there's times right. you have to turn around because of weather or whatever man this is just a time we have to turn around it's just part of you do stuff outdoors sometimes you have to turn around so we're going to turn around because we're not prepared enough for this but there's this uh this point where um like i got like slammed against this tree trunk coming out of the river it cut me like i'm pinned the water's rushing around me and and i saw my immediate reaction is freak out right yeah so i my favorite moment of the entire trip was that moment because like i'm pinned i just got injured and i had to go okay like calm down like what do i do what are my options um oh i can get out of the boat Oh, and then I can like move the boat and then get back in and continue to go. Um, so I like that having to, there's a challenge and then having to center myself on how do I get past this or through this? Like, um, yeah, so I hope, I hope Bodhi gets that also. I hope he like kind of, you know, learns to love difficult things, you know? Yeah, I was, t- I was telling Diego, I showed him a video of this tribe in the Amazon forest, rainforest. Uh-huh. And I'm super infatuated with rites of passage because I don't think we don't have we don't have a lot of that in America that's like, hey, this is what you do that's hardcore mm-hmm. to go from boy to man, even girl to woman. Yeah. There's not really a defining American factor. So I'm I'm gonna search and find some so I showed him this video when they're going from boys to men, they put on these gloves full of bullet ants. There's huge ants <laughs> that they Set they sedate in like some sort of herbal mixture, so they're asleep. They weave these ants inside 
the leaves so the ants are trapped except their face with their their chompers yeah. are out they wake up pissed off <laughs> hundreds of them inside the gloves and they can't escape and they're just all biting it's the biggest most painful ants so i've heard yeah so they have to put both hands in these gloves for 10 minutes and do a ritualistic dance in the pain and they have to do it for 10 minutes the bites are so ferocious that they hallucinate for 24 hours. Wow. They have to do this how many times? They do it 20 times, 10 minutes every day um, at the age of 12. And you only do this either in, it's in South America and Brazil where they do this like to become a warrior kind of. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's how they have chosen to go from boy to man 20 times, 10 minutes each time. And so I showed Diego and I said, okay, do you want to do that? He's like, Ugh, I don't know. But I was like, okay, well, like you said, for these boys to be strong men, it's hard to know that they need to go through some really hard, hard bad painful times yeah to become a better person you don't want them you're looking at you don't want these young beautiful strapping young men to be hurt but actually if you don't get hurt and don't go through hard times you'll be kind of a bad person yeah i, I, I want somebody I, that i'm not that i don't like and i don't want to ever let him do anything that will make me not like him if that may it sounds mean but not uh, how do you develop tenacity how, how do you develop grit Bullet how do you gloves you know develop perseverance <laughs> it's from experiencing things that are difficult and uh getting through it um yeah i think those are really valuable qualities and necessities and it's, yeah it's tough as a parent because i have this instinctual thing i want to protect my child i want to nurture my child i want to keep them safe but I also want him to, you know, grow up to be the best person he can, and I don't want him to shy away from difficulty. I want him to actually do the opposite, to seek out difficult stuff and um, be comfortable navigating it. I can just literally hear you this whole time. Bodie, is it difficult to choose between powdered and chocolate donuts? Is, <laughs> is that the extent of your difficulty at this period in time? Um, no, really, no. I don't. I, Wait, I, you got to speak up clearly. Tell I, me. I don't really know. <laughs> okay, what's the hardest choice you've had to make recently? I don't really have hard choices. To there you make go. Recently. But guess what? They're coming. You just we just we just <laughs> I haven't realized had, they're coming. I haven't had one recently, so. Okay. Yeah, it's like learning how to ride your bike. Like yeah. it's difficult for you to learn how to ride your bike. You know, my, my wish for you is that in that moment where you want to give up, you, uh, you you say, you know, screw it. I'm going to figure this out, you know, even though it's really hard. That was those are the beautiful moments. <laughs> You'll get there, though. Yeah. I'll t I'll, yeah. Like when I moved from Texas to California, guess what I knew what I was doing? Like guess when I knew what I was doing. What? Yeah, I didn't. I just said, I realized I wasn't being the best person I could be. I wasn't really challenging myself. And I said, well, if I go somewhere new and know virtually nobody and have to figure life out, that's a good idea. And that's what I did. And guess what? It was terrible for a while. I was confused, lost, and it took me a while. I guess the last question I have for you is yeah. how long... Have you had that beautiful, well-manicured, face-defining beard, the majestic beard of yours? Um, man, I've always had kind of a, uh, like a short <laughs> beard, but, well, I say always, for the past seven years, and then when, um, so what happened? So I stopped the nonprofit some dude that owned a construction company was like, come work for me. And then like his business went under. Um, so I went and just opened up my own business, my own construction company. So the day that I left his business, I was like, I, I didn't trim my beard. I didn't shave cause I didn't have to, I didn't have like a job for a little while. Okay. Um, and then I was like, well, I'm kind of into this. So yeah, I've been growing it, but keeping it trimmed. I've cut it. You know, I've taken length off it for how long, Bodie? 
So it was longer than that? About two years. Yeah, Yeah, about two years. Yeah. So every once in a while, I'll see a picture of myself and I'll be like, whoa, like, what is that? (laughs) You know, like, how come no one's telling me that I like I look like this? I look like a crazy homeless biker like person and I'll like chop it real short. Um, But right now I'm into it. Nah, I like it. It is majestic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about the maintenance. You can't underestimate the importance of beard maintenance. Yeah. You know, you got to brush it, comb it, oil it, condition it. It's important stuff, guys. It's a lot of important things. So, yeah. I'm going to let Diego, do you have any questions? All right. Bodhi, do you have any questions for me? Um, Not Wally, no. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'd like to thank you and your dad so much for coming to do this today. And maybe in the future we'll do it again. We'll do a follow-up down the line. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, maybe we can do some sort of, um, yeah, yeah, anytime you want me out. Yeah, I can talk about planning for the next trip or talk about, like, what happened on that trip that I planned for. Yes. Yeah, who doesn't like talking about themselves? So any, any, anytime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Dude, thank you. Goodbye. And uh, one last thing, we and Diego have an outro comment. I'd like to tell everybody to be healthy. Being healthy has more to do than just what you put in your body. It's what you put on your body. It's what you put in your mind. So be healthy, y'all.